Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we discuss all those amazing reality shows that unfortunately only had one season. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. And today we're delving deeper into high society with episode two, Prince Uncharming. He's not the most charming. No, and I feel like I completely, well, I mean, I based my thoughts on him last episode on the fact that he looked normal on the internet and was now married. But this episode has proven not so normal and I think a pretty terrible person. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm kind of on Dale's side now. <laughs> yeah, I am on Dale's side. Although I really want them to explain, and Dale, Dale said this last episode as well, she keeps saying that he reads her emails. <laughs> like, I what does she mean? She's like, he, he has access to everything. He reads her emails. Her and I was like, what? Like, did she give him her passwords? Or is his, like, prince team going through her shit? Like, I don't understand. My husband laughs at me because before he'll, if he'll say, like, can I borrow your computer real quick? And I say, yeah. I always log out of my email real quick. Yeah. And he thinks it's really weird. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's just like my... It's not my personal diary. It's not like I'm, you know, not doogie housering it every night, but it's just like, I don't, I don't know. It feels like my personal files. It's like all my stuff. Yeah. I'm with you. Weird. Yeah. I don't think it's weird at all. No, it's just, it's my private stuff. Um, so do, I don't really have much house cleaning before we get to our snob story, but did do we want to wrap up the conversation about the bling ring? Because I finished, of course, for sure. immediately, immediately after we finished recording. Yes, for sure. And for those of you listening, you won't be hearing this until two weeks after the previous episode. But for us, it's only been two days. Yes. Because so, we, we're going to be doing some traveling. So in an effort to keep coming to you on a regular basis, we're knocking some episodes out in a row. Yes. So I will say my, I really liked the documentary and I thought it was well done. My biggest takeaways are that Nick Prugo is such a fame whore to this day. Yeah. And Andrea is a lot worse than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's not great. I really appreciate that like Gabby and Alexis and Andrea, they've all talked about how hard it was to forgive one another and sort of move on as a family. And it's been very hard for them. And I really appreciate that they own that because that is really hard, but talking about some of the things that they went through with Andrea, encouraging them to become famous and how she thought they should achieve that. And the way that she would work with producers to try and get storylines like on television, it was upsetting. It was very upsetting. One of the things I found most upsetting, and I know that we texted a little bit about this, but um, was that she kept saying like, well, I did it. I did it. Like when I was 14, like I drank and hang out with older men and did whatever. And just because you did it didn't mean it's okay. Like I would not want either of my high school age nephews doing any of the things I did in high school. Like, I don't want them going to clubs when they're 16 and doing drugs and drink. I mean, like just because you did it, Andrea, doesn't mean it's okay. Well, and also, like, times are very different from when Alexis and Tess were doing that to when their mother was doing it. You know, like, you don't want them doing those things anyway, like, of lecherous men and drugs around and all that kind of stuff. But then you have, like, paparazzi and MySpace and people taking pictures of you. And there were there are always new elements coming out like that that you wouldn't want kids to engage with. Well, even if there weren't paparazzi, you shouldn't want your teenage daughters hanging out with 30-year-old Rockstar. Rock. I mean, like, it's Kid gross. Rock. Kid Rock yeah. and Marilyn Manson. 
Yeah, no. Disgusting. So gross. It was it was really gross. That part yeah, is I, very hard. Another friend of mine um just watched it this weekend as well and texted me and was like, oh my gosh, I did not realize that Andrea was that bad. Like unprompted. I, was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think we got a hint of it and we sort of knew that that was the deal, but hearing more about it was definitely tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I thoroughly enjoyed it, I will say. Oh, and, it's so good. And Pretty Wild remains one of my favorite things that we've covered on this pod. I agreed. I, I fully agree with that. It was really good. Yep. And you guys will have to forgive me. I'm having an allergy attack today, so I might be sneezing and sniffling a little bit. I'm so sorry. Who gets fall allergies? Me, apparently. Anyway, that's all I have to say about the bling ring. Are you ready to dive back into this society? I am that ready because I have a major bone to pick with Tinsley about the first scene. Okay. Well, it seems. I'm, go, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I'm going to do a quick snob story. Oh, oh I forgot. Yes, yes. I, so, I totally forgot. I will also tell you, Frank, and all of you listeners, these people are boring. Googling them, quick Googles across the board, they're all ghosts. Not a lot is happening. I don't know where they work. Some of them are married. Big whoop. Not a lot's happening. So these are all going to be pretty brief, unfortunately. And to try and wrap up last episode... I did try and look more into PJC, as he calls himself, and I still couldn't find that much about the weird stuff. Like him, you know, allegedly breaking into the fraternity house, there wasn't much to that. So that that is what he was picked up by the cops for. He was 26 or 27 at the time. Motivation seemed to be unknown. It's well, and he strange. wasn't alone. It was him no. and somebody else. Yes. Because the same thing, like the article I found, I'm sure you found too, even in the article, they were like, what were they doing there? This makes no sense. I mean, no one seems to understand why. They, I'm guessing they were just really fucked up. Yeah, makes no sense. And I did look into, you were talking about Peter Davis, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And there is no relationship to Lauren Davis. Um, someone did actually cover that, but they did run in the same circle. So okay. there was a time when there was... Um, a website, not unlike it's very gossip girl where someone would rank different society members. And so there was all this speculation about who was behind the website. And for a long time, people thought it was Peter Davis. And he was sort of like, I don't play this game. Why do you think I would take the time to do that? And it's because Tinsley was ranked number one and they were like, well, you're related to her by marriage and you love her. So it must be you. But anyway, do you think it was actually Paul? I don't know. I don't know enough about who else was on it. I just saw the headline when he said it wasn't him. Um, and Olivia Palermo, of course, of the city fame, she thought the website was super fun, but she was ranked like 24. <laughs> so <laughs> we might we might get back to that website with some of these other people when we need a deeper dive. But no relation between Paul and Lauren Davis and PJC is very strange. And I tried to look up his mother. Nothing. Also a ghost. Interesting. I know. I well, I mean, I think of... old money is really good about staying out of the press. Yeah. I, they, yeah. They just go to boring events that no one covers all the time, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could get our hands on Avenue Magazine. Yeah, right. But we'd have to go steal out of the lobby of an Upper West Side <laughs> condo building. We sure would. We sure would. 
Um, so anyway, this episode's snob story is Dabney Mercer. And I think I meant to write down her middle name because she and Tinsley both have fascinating middle names. Someone's middle name is Randolph. And shit. Well, whatever. Dabney Mercer. Snob story number two. Um, so obviously we know that Dabney is from Richmond and she was born to Dale and George. She was born May 9th, 1977. And so. Oh, she's older than I thought. Yeah, same. Um, and so the family grew up in Richmond and that is where Dale is from. And at the time of Dabney and Tinsley's childhood, they lived at a famous estate in Richmond in the Carytown district known as Graymont, um, which was built in 1902 by a tobacco business name named Archibald Patterson. Okay. Some, of the, some of the names we're going to get in this show do, they make me giggle every time. Um, and also when the Mercers sold Graymont to the next owners, whose names I didn't write down because it wasn't important, um, there was a lawsuit because the <laughs> buyers were not happy with the condition of the home and they felt that the Mercers lied. Oh, well, that tracks. There's, I could see yeah, that. There's that. Um, so I couldn't find out that much about their childhood other than where they grew up. But another interesting factoid I found out is that Dabney went to the Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia, which I didn't know was sort of like a to-do boarding school down here. News to me. Um, But she went to high school at Episcopal High School the same time as one Bravo's Shep Rose. Oh, boy, does that ever track. He has known Tinsley and Dabney for 25 years. But doesn't he, I feel like when House, when Disney was still on the Housewives, I feel like there were interactions with them, like at BravoCon and stuff. Like I feel, or maybe they've yep. been on Watch What Happens Live together. I feel like yep. that was like a known Bravo universe thing. But oh boy, yep. does that ever track? Yep. So um thought that was interesting. So obviously the parents, Dale and George, divorced um, after 28 years of being married and George died in 2015, which I think we know from housewives fame. Um, Dabney does not have much of a romantic life to speak of. Um, so she dated Prince Lorenzo Borghese who was on the bachelor. Yep. Okay. So they dated for a brief time, um, before, they, she dated him before she dated this guy named Mark Koch, who was an executive director at J.P. Morgan, but I don't know who that is. And to this day, she's never been married. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so very interesting. Yeah, there's no New York Times wedding announcement. There's no registries. Like, there's there's nothing. So why isn't Dale all up her ass? I don't know. I mean, there's all of this, like, Tinsley needs to get back to bed with Topper, but you'd think that Dale would be like, we need to get a man on you right now, Dabney. I know. Weird. I, don't, I know, it's super weird. Um, And so then there are several articles that say that Dabney went on to be a managing consultant at Kaiser Associates. And so Kaiser Associates, um, I guess, is a consulting group. They were headquartered in D.C., they had an office in London and New York, apparently. But when you Google it and I went to click on their website, the website is dead. <laughs> well, I, a million years ago in the 90s, my friend Kristen Leo, who I haven't seen since the 90s, I would love to find her. Um, she got a job at the Kaiser Family Foundation. That's different. Which I think I was like, their, it was totally different. I thought maybe it was like a charitable offshoot of the other one because it, it was in D.C. Be. as well. It might be, but I was surprised that the website is like real dead. It says database is not found. 
Oh, well, I guess it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, so that's all I could find on Dabney. She is on Instagram, but her last Instagram, there's one picture from probably February or March of 2022. And then the one before that is October 2021. So, well, I'd like to criticize her, but my last Instagram post was well over two years ago. So I can't really say anything. I can't either because I Instagram once like every four or five months, I think. Yeah. Which is very hypocritical because I scroll through it all the time. I just don't post what it is I'm doing. <laughs> if you guys want to know what I'm doing, I'm hanging out with my dog. Maybe that's why I don't need to document it all the time. <laughs> but yeah, these profiles are going to be a bit of a snooze. Kind of sucks. No. I'm, I'm doing my best to like track that family money and all that kind of stuff. It's not that fun. Well, I've been doing some fun and I have one later deep dives into some of the tertiary characters. Agreed. I did a little bit of that today, too. And even so Dale is the one that had all the money in the Mercer family. And even that wasn't very interesting. Like her dad worked at like Chesapeake Telephone or something like that. And like I, I was like, that's OK. Boring. Oh, I bet her dad worked for CNP. What is that? So in the 70s, like up until like AT&T became a thing or whatever, the phone company here was called C&P, Chesapeake and Potomac Phone Company. Yeah. And it was like the phone company for like the whole East Coast. Yep. That was her dad. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. But Dale, I'm pretty sure she was the interior designer. And um, I guess George Mercer was like a real estate developer in Richmond or some, you know, something real estate related. But I think she was the one that had the the deep pockets in the marriage. It's and interesting. I, I mean, I knew they were divorced, but on Housewives, Dale seemed as just as shook about his death as Tinsley. So I know. And she seems flabbergasted by the idea of divorce. Also strange. Yeah, I know. And the fact that her other daughter has never been married and that doesn't bother her. It's very weird. I mean, maybe it really does. And they just made some agreement that it wouldn't be discussed on camera. Or maybe Dabney's a lesbian, but she's not out. That would be a maze. It would. Maybe she is, though. I mean, you can also be single in your 40s. More power to you. I was just but maybe that's why Dale doesn't say anything. It's like this big hush hush. Maybe. I'm trying to remember because Dabney was on Housewives at least once, but I, I can't remember their interaction at all. Yeah, no, me either. I got nothing. Yeah, but that's that. <laughs> I even tried to look up someone more exciting. So I was like, we got to bring this up after number one. And they're they're all going to be pretty fucking boring. So. Well, that's why I wonder if Jules got her somehow has enough money that she got the Internet scrubbed. Because, and we'll talk about this later, but all this shit that Paul keeps throwing into the universe that she's done, I can find no record of anywhere. I know. Well, I'll do my best. I'll drive out to the Hamptons and look at old newspaper articles on microfiche if I I was going to say, but you have to pull out the microfiche cards. (laughs) Pull out the old card catalog. (laughs) Oh my God, so good. And it takes me back. All right. So we start this episode... And I guess that this show's format is that it only follows them on weekends, or that's the implication. So it's Friday. Yeah. Well, but it's not, because they didn't say it was Friday. They say it's then Saturday and Sunday, but we never got a it's Friday for the unpacking. Oh, I saw Friday. Oh, you did? Okay. I did not. Yeah, because I wrote it down. 
Um, so I also love these like intro voiceovers that we get from Disney. Like they're supposed to be like life lessons. And this time she said, you learn a lot about yourself when you're unpacking your life and starting over. Okay. Got it. Um, also, I think it's hysterical that we're supposed to think that she unpacked herself. Yeah. The shelves already have stuff on them and I'm still fascinated by this apartment. I know. I want like a full tour. Me too. The shelving units are so weird in this apartment. They're all metal. And they go all the way to the ceiling almost. I know. It looks like an office space. It really does. Maybe it was at one time. Yeah, I don't know. And then she's got all her, like, antique (laughs) Baroque furniture (laughs) in it. It looks so strange. Um, So Tinsley is unpacking these boxes. And when I say unpacking, I mean she's, like, unwrapping knickknacks at a snail's pace yeah um she's unpacking in Prada heels and according to her she is never in flat shoes lies and allegations this is what I have so much to say about she is a liar she's a liar Liar. we saw her wearing green chucks in the last episode and in this episode in Paris she's wearing black chucks she sure is I noted that down too And she goes on and on about this, about how much she hates flat shoes. She can't stand it. And even when she wears flat shoes, she walks on her tippy toes. Yeah, she's a liar. A liar. Yeah. And a weird, weird, weird thing to lie about. And also, I would imagine, I mean, quite frankly, I wouldn't be walking around in pointy heels in my brand new apartment's wood floors. No. And also, why not just say, I I wear heels as often as I can? Yeah, I don't okay. know. That's accurate. Um, I am on Team Dabney on this one because she stops and just decides to touch up her nails. <laughs> and <laughs> Tinsley says, Dabney, you can't unwrap things if your nails are wet. And she's like, well, I have a quick dry top coat. <laughs> yeah. And then explains to us that she cannot stand when her nails are chipped and has to fix it immediately. I'm also team Dabney on that. I have bare nails all the time. I'm a nail biter. It is what it is at this point in life. I don't like it. It is gross. I wish I could stop, but it's here to stay. When I do have a manicure, though, as soon as it chips, the whole thing has to come off. Yeah. Like, I can't stand it. I would rather have my naked, ugly nails out there than a manicure with a chip in it. Don't know what it's about, guys. So then we see Paul meeting up with jewels to discuss the other night when things got out of hand but he introduces their get together as well jules needs to chill it's an interesting takeaway as the person who threw a cocktail at someone else and they're meeting at the flat hotel and it is permanently closed and it was a long-term residence hotel that only had three stars They love like a middle of the road hotel on this show. They really do. It's probably the only place they could film, I would imagine. It's like the uh it's the Real Housewives um what hotel did Luann's Tom get busted at? The Regency? The Regency, yeah. Yeah, isn't that like a classic, oh, no, no, no. like Well, but it's the Regency, it's a bar. I didn't realize it was it a hotel too. I thought it was a hotel bar, yeah. Oh, maybe it is. Okay, I I knew it was a bar. I wasn't sure if it was a hotel bar or not. But yeah. Probably similar. I think they love like a three and a half star hotel on the show. (laughs) (laughs) 
I will. I mean, every every reality show is like that, though. I feel like when you hear about where the Vanderpump Rules people go, like even in old episodes, they're not going anywhere cool that we've ever heard of other celebrities going to. No, I mean, same thing with like Housewives of Potomac. Like we know places here, like the places they go are nothing special at all. Yeah. Side, quick side note about that, though. I'm very upset that real celebrities are loving going to TomTom. It pains me. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but it also pains me. Well, I mean, it won't be around in 10 years, so. That's true. Anyway, okay. So back to Paul and Jules. Um, so she needs to chill. Um, she asks him what he has to say. And he says, you know, things got out of hand the other night at the bar. And he says, I mean, I'm not apologizing, even though I feel badly for Alex. <laughs> so you called someone to get together and say that things got out of hand, but not to offer any sort of an apology. So this scene was so weird that I, I almost feel like they like each other and this is all fakes for the cameras mm -hmm. because none of it makes sense. Like none of it, may, they show up, they shout bitchy things at each other and then they leave. Yeah. I mean, they're there for 30 seconds. And he says, we used to be really close friends and now I'm throwing drinks at you. It's like, well, only you can reassess that situation there, Paul. <laughs> and and it, it, there was no apology. Like she, like no. you said, she comes in and he's like, I'm not sorry. And we used to be, it's like, what's the point of this conversation then? Like, you're a horrible person. She's a horrible person. Neither of you are sorry at all for anything you've ever done. What's the fucking point? Right. So then he says like, well, you're, you're talking shit about me. And she said, I think you're delusional and you think you're a superstar and that people are always talking about you. And, um, she said something like, then they start hurling the insults and she's like, well, maybe don't steal people's phones. And he says, I don't want your crackberry. I have an iPhone. And she's like, I don't need to do this. And she gets up and leaves and he goes, bye Jules. Nice bag. Great hair. Yeah. And I, was he trying to, was that sincere or was it supposed to be a no. slam? I couldn't. No, he was trying to make fun of her. It just like didn't come out very clever at all. I and mean, then he says, this is classic Jules. She just gets up and leaves and doesn't resolve anything. What were you trying to resolve other than pointing out the facts that you threw a drink at her? I, I, it, none of it makes sense. Like none of it makes any sense whatsoever. And then and, he says and, and, to the camera, no wonder say... her life is a mess. But he, oh, okay. he didn't even say that the whole reason he stole her phone wasn't to steal her phone. It was to read the messages on her phone torpedoing his relationship. So I don't understand. Like, she's acting like he stole the phone to, like, hawk it or something. And he I don't like it's just dumb. Like, it doesn't the argument doesn't even make sense. It's oh. more of a like you violated my privacy than. Uh, you stole my phone for monetary gain. It, it's dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb. Um, and then for some reason we cut to the scene going to Frete. Was that what oh, it was called? Look, yes, look this right up. So and Frete still exists. I'm sure. And there these days, now I couldn't find anything about monogram sheets on the website. So I don't know if that's something you have to do in person in the store, but they could find embroidered sheets that have like an embroidered pattern and they run anywhere from 1700 to $3,600 for one set of sheets. And um, the duvet covers like start at 3,600 and the robe, because they also got robes again, nothing about monogramming um, run anywhere from 520 to 
Wow. Okay, so yeah. we should back up a little bit. Jules and Dabney are going to this very expensive linen store to pick up their monogram sheets and robes for their quote-unquote apartment, a.k.a. hotel room. Yeah. Okay. And then Jules says, Dabney chose the monograms and I don't even like them. Well, here's the thing that I have to say about that is that I did notice the monograms later because they showed them and they were incorrect. And a monogram, even though I don't like this look either, the last name is the center. Yes. And the first letter is your first name and the third letter is your middle name. And these were the last letter was the last name. Oh my God. So the last letter, it was, it was J whatever her middle name is K. So it's J something K Kirby's, but it should have been J K whatever. So she's not wrong about the monograms being wrong. I'm assuming that she didn't like the font and wasn't so upset about the letters being in the wrong order, but it is what it is. I hate when people get that wrong. Um, But then we have to watch. I really, I think they're just going to make us watch this every time. And I really don't want to. The maid is cleaning their quote unquote apartment. I really, it pisses me off that they call it that. It's a hotel room that you're renting and you're just filling it with expensive sheets. And the maid is there to clean the room. And Jules has decided not to leave the room while she's cleaning, which is on Jules. Most people leave the room when when the maid service comes or they're not there. And she just does nothing but berate this poor woman the whole time. Oh, and I can guarantee you why she's in the room. She's in the room because I'm sure she thinks that the maid wants to steal her shit. Yeah. She's telling like, her the monograms are upside down. There. Make sure you actually dust things. Um, don't do the crappy job you usually do. In our country, we don't spell upside down. Like, she is terrible. Well, and terrible. she also... On the one hand, is like, don't do a crappy job. Make sure you thoroughly dust everything. Like, you didn't, blah, 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 blah. but hurry the fuck up and get out of here. Like, it, none of it makes sense. I mean, she's just a fucking monster, a fucking monster. And I guarantee you that the second the hotel people, staff, knew they were out of that room, they were in there shoving toothpa- toothbrushes up their asses, like cleaning the toilet with their toothbrush. I, so. I mean, like, uh, just, I, they're idiots. Like I would never, I mean, first of all, I would never treat anyone that way, period, end of story anyway. But no. like to do that to someone who's in charge of your living space, you're a fucking idiot. Like these are the same people who like yell at delivery people on the phone and don't think that someone's not going to spit in their food. Like you're stupid. Yeah, no. And also in this country, we don't spell upside down. That doesn't even make sense. And I'm pretty sure that there are no forms of language where people write letters upside down. Letters might look different to the ones that you know in this language. And there are some languages that I believe they write words and sentences vertically, but I'm pretty sure no one writes upside down, Jules. The only thing that I could piece together that she could possibly be talking about is because in Spanish, they do the quotation, like a question mark upside down on one side of the sentence or the other. Like, that's the only, I was like, I, that's the only thing that would mildly make sense. But I think she was just fully talking out of her ass. Yeah, what she meant was, please flip the pillow over. Yeah. <laughs> she's just an asshole. Yeah, she's a horrible, horrible human being. And I don't understand how they didn't get kicked out of the hotel after that phone conversation where she was like throwing the phone across the room last week, left and right. Although, didn't we find out that this hotel is not that nice or expensive? 
Um, I well, it's been two days. You think I should remember this? But um, Empire. well, we looked up JPC's hotel. Maybe we didn't look up the Empire. I don't think I looked this one up, but I'll do it right now. Empire. Okay. I mean, it but, could just be though that like the Empire wants that money. Um, having, to be on the show, yeah. No, and like, so it's brand recognition, but also compared to someone staying there for the offhanded like week or five days to see New York City, someone renting out a room for a month every day. That's a big difference. It says it's a four star, but according to this, like you could book a regular room on like booking Priceline, whatever, for around like 153, 170, which is really cheap for New York. Right. Hmm. So I don't know. God. Well. Oh yeah, a regular room. Actually, if you go to the actual Empire Express room, well, this is for an express room, I guess it's teeny tiny. It's only 119. Okay. Okay, let's do just suites and see. All right. Because I'm assuming that was a deluxe suite. Oh, yeah. A deluxe suite is all of $247. What? Yeah, the most expensive. Okay, two people, one king bed, one Sith bed. But I don't see anything in here about multi-room suites. This is weird. Yeah. I wonder if they just called this hotel that and if that's not really where they are. I mean, they kept showing the sign from out front. Okay. Maybe we'll do some more digging about that, but she has no business talking to anyone like that, regardless of what hotel it is or how much money she has in her bank account. She's terrible. No, I mean, yeah, I I don't care who you are. Like, she is a fucking monster and should be put to sleep. Yeah. She is a horrible person. Yeah. Um, all right. Are we ready to move on? Um, yes, we are ready to move on. So it's now Saturday (laughs) and we are going to butter in the East village. And which, by the way, I looked it up because I want, because butter's been around for a long time. It's a great restaurant. Oh yeah. It used to be a hotspot. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. It's not in the fucking East village. And I looked it up and I was right. It's in Midtown. Weird. Okay. So I don't know why they were, I mean, I guess probably because Dale already threw a shit fit about how she didn't want to be in Midtown, but it would make sense because Tinsley's Tinsley's new fucking loft is in Midtown that they would go to a restaurant in Midtown, but. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so Dabney and Alex are throwing a little party for Tinsley to welcome her back to the single life and lift her spirits and meet some new guys. Um, because Tinsley has been in a relationship since she was in high school and they keep laying that on thick. Um, and they think she's interested in dating. So all of the women who are coming to this party brought a picture of an eligible bachelor because they want Tinsley to go out on dates, which is actually kind of an amazing idea for a party, but I tried that for a birthday party one time and it did not work well. Okay. Not, not pictures, but, um, I said it was going to be like The Bachelor, but for me, and everyone should bring me a date, and like nobody did. So, oh well, you, we need to do it with cameras rolling so people are forced to do it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, um, they're all standing up and like showing off these pictures, and I'm surprised that they're giving some of these guys full names. Well, the weirdest fucked up part, and maybe it was just because the picture quality is so bad on the YouTube video. But one of them, it looked like he was blurred out, but they you said his full name. Yeah, I know. 
And <laughs> it was. I'm like, strange. if you're gonna have your full name on TV, what's the point of blurring out your face? Like, I don't get it. I don't know. And then one picture, the guy like doesn't have a shirt on and looks like he's posing. It looks like someone cut up like an Abercrombie and Fitch shopping bag and like <laughs> put it on construction <laughs> paper. Um, but anyway, everybody's getting a laugh out of it, especially Tinsley. And then her mother gets up and starts talking about how when she thinks about like the perfect man for Tinsley, it's someone dependable and this and that. And then she turns her picture over and it's a picture of Tinsley and Topper from their from wedding. From New York Magazine, from their wedding. Yeah. I'm sure that that was for television, but that is so fucking mean. Um, I don't think it was for television. I think Dale is really mean. She is being so insensitive about this divorce. She has no sympathy for her daughter in it whatsoever. She doesn't to this day. When Tinsley was on Housewives, she had no sympathy for her. I mean, she was still team topper. So sad. Yeah, it is sad. And I mean, it explains why Tinsley's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not here for it. And it doesn't go over well. And I was proud that at least like Tinsley's sister and her friends were kind of like, Dale, that's not, that's not cool. Um, And then Dale says, well, I had to do it. (laughs) That's her defense. And then she says to like the camera, I wanted to remind her of the fairy tale she once had. That is terrible. You weren't married to Topper. Shut up. I also want to know who the random dude at the table was. I didn't see. There is a cutaway at one point where they cut to a, a guy, a bald guy. And for a second, I thought it was Robert Vivaldi, but it wasn't. Um, and it says she, I, there was some random dude. I'm sure some gay friend of hers, but there's some like random dude at the table that we only get to see once for like a second. And I'm dying to know who he is. Oh, missed it. Totally. Or Robert Verde or whatever that fashion guy's name is. Yeah, I think that was his name. But then all of a sudden, I believe this is the same day, at least according to these, you know, bullshit time cards. And we are going to Marquee for a City of Hope cancer benefit. Um, And this is, we find out that Paul's mother is in remission from breast cancer. So he finds this a worthy cause. Um, And he wants to apologize to Alex for the fact that she got hit with the drink. Um, And then he goes off on this tangent about how he feels really misunderstood by people. Well, he also once again brought up the fact that Jules faked cancer with like no proof whatsoever. Um, Yeah, his misunderstanding was my absolute favorite because he, what did he say? Um, Oh, shoot. I wrote it down. I think it was later. Did I not write it down? I thought I did. Where he said, doesn't he say something about like, I'm not all about going out? Oh, yeah. Um, People don't know who I am. Um, we all know who you are, Paul. You're a rancid, horrible person. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, fuck you. Like, you are terrible. What do you mean people don't know who you are? You put yourself out there to the world. You are a horrible, insecure, terrible person. He's also screaming about what he's into constantly. Yeah. Like, he's very, like, show me the money. I want this. I want that. But we don't know who you are. You keep telling us. And over why over haven't again. we, get, do you think we're ever going to get repercussions from his mother about the $25,000 that he literally set on fire in the middle of the street that she sent him for his alleged apartment? No, but that would be satisfying if we did. It would be very satisfying, yes. Um, so Alex is actually receptive to his apology, but to, only to a degree. And she makes him promise that it will never happen again. And he says he's sorry. And she said, I appreciate his apology, but a true gentleman would have offered to pay for the dry cleaning. 
Um, she also, and I love her for this, was like, we're not 1980s dynasty. We don't go around like throwing drinks on people and slapping each other. Yeah. <laughs> and she, I didn't she say something like that to him too? She was like, I thought we were past like, you know, getting blackout and throwing drinks at people. She did. Yeah. Not in those exact words, but something very similar. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with her on that. So then it is Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, I find this time cartoon. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be some big shock that we're just following them for 48 hours. <laughs> so Alex has set Tinsley up on a date with Brian. Um, Brian and, Maza. Yes. And she says that Tinsley needs to see what else is out there. And they go to Philippe, which is Tinsley's favorite restaurant. And didn't we see that in NYC Prep all the time? We did. And the exciting thing, and I think you and I need to have a date, is that they are opening a Philippe four blocks from my house on the wharf. Oh, they are. Oh, yes. We have to go. And I would like us to dine in the private cellar. Thank you. A hundred percent. Like, I think it's only one floor, so this one's not going to have a cellar, but I'm sure we can work out some kind of private arrangement. That's just what they tell the poor people, Frank. Of course, there's a private dining cellar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can make that happen for ourselves. We'll have to, maybe your dad's podcast will get us in. Oh, maybe. If we, fingers crossed. <laughs> Um, so anyway, they go down to the private room and Tinsley does admit that it's weird that it's a restaurant she used to go to with her husband a lot because it's her favorite. And it does, I'm sure that is a mind fuck after she's been with someone for like two decades. That would be very strange. Um, but she thought the fact that they were in the private room was very sweet. Um, and they talk about how it's kind of hard to date in New York, but they're laughing. They're enjoying each other's company. They seem to be going at a similar level when it comes to their cocktailing, which I'm sure is always refreshing. Um, and then he says he has a surprise and that they're going ice skating. I'm not one for surprises and I'm not one for ice skating, but then I was kind of glad for Tinsley because when they get out of the cab, it's pouring and she doesn't have to ice skate with him. <laughs> Um, so I have two major things about this. Do it. One, um, I did a deep dive into Brian Maza. Yes. And boy, oh boy, did Tinsley shit the bed on this one. Because, He's a restaurateur or something, right? Oh, he restaurateur, nightclub owner. But in yeah. addition to that, he started a fitness company called HPLT. Um, he is fucking gorgeous he has his own website he is now married to chloe melas maza who is a cnn correspondent and they have two beautiful children leo and luke yeah that tracks it really does i mean he is fucking stunning his website i believe is just brianmaza.com but it is insane yeah um, she did get a kiss out of it um, she did. My other issue with this, and I have this issue with every single show we ever watch and everything I watch on fucking TV, they're going ice skating. It's cold enough to go ice skating. He is wearing a leather jacket. She is wearing a sleeveless dress. Yeah. And she's but, do, on. Do, do rich people not get cold? Like, what the fuck? It's because they get chauffeured everywhere. They do valet or they take cabs. But she's standing on the sidewalk with him in the pouring rain, mind you. I mean, they have an umbrella, but I would be freezing to death. 
Yeah. My issue with it is like they kiss under his umbrella and it's kind of cute, whatever, very television. But at one point she extends her arm like for the camera to like make the kiss seem like a big deal. And she's got her precious Tinsley Mortimer brand clutch hanging in the rain. Oh my. Girl, you can't get that wet. No. <laughs> Probably melts. <laughs> um, so then the next day she tells, or it looks like the next day, she tells Alex over the phone that they kissed, and Alex is like gobsmacked. She's like, oh wow, I didn't realize that we were going to that level. And kind of like judges Tinsley for the fact that she kissed this guy. That seems also I went with Tinsley when she was like, what level? She's like, I just kissed him. And Alex is like, the kissing level. Yeah. I is, did, that, what, is that code for like gangbang? Like I, she kissed I him mean, under an umbrella. On, on the street. Like, I mean, it wasn't even, I, I thought the whole thing was a little goofy on Alex. Like it, did, it was weird that Alex would say that. No, it was weird. And then she said that her kiss and her date made her realize that she's not ready to date other people. And it made her miss Casimir. Which I'm also confused about because I thought Casimir was already her boyfriend. So why are you dating other people in the first place? She uses the word boyfriend later and I was shocked. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yep. Um. So after that scene, oh God. Uh, we it's have rough. To, it's really rough, guys. We have, we have to. We have to go to the doghouse saloon with Jules and her friend Cleo. And the doghouse saloon is permanently closed. It's it's a tragedy. So it was downtown. Where do we know where downtown? Lower East Side. Okay. On um Orchard Orchard Street, I believe. Okay. So Jules is just she's a garbage dump, you guys. It's, it's so bad. She says that she likes to go downtown because she can basically act like an even worse human being and people don't know her. That's kind of the crux of this scene. Um, and she likes to toy with the guys down there. I don't even know. I think an actual, I think what it means, I think she, in actuality, she's going down there. She's getting real fucked up and doing a ton of drugs and banging blue collar dudes in uh, dive bar bathrooms. I think that's what's actually going on. Probably. And then people don't know her, so there's no gossip about it down there or whatever. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but she just, like, of course, the people who go to this bar, she considers blue-collar, and they're, like, playing beer pong. But then all of a sudden, her friend says, let me see your butt, and she pulls her ass out in this bar. No, I thought that was the guy. No, it's Jules. She lowers her pants and, like, flashes her butt at her friend. Oh, I thought it was the guy that, because it's, again, the picture quality is terrible. I thought the guy lowered his pants. No. Oh, all right. She says, I like going down here because you can do things there that we can't do. Like, okay, you're so cool. You're hip and Also, I would love, I want a timestamp because they were either there super early or super late because there were only three other people in this bar and the bartender was restocking. Like he had like that. He kept putting like the big boxes of beer on the thing and was like restocking the cooler. So it was either at the beginning of the night or the end of the night. Yeah. So then they go outside because they're leaving or catching a cab or taking a smoke break or something. Her friend Cleo asks someone, can I have a cigarette? And Jules says, don't do that. People down here don't have jobs. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
she uh, but is, we have at least found a race of people she finds acceptable, which is apparently half French and half Japanese. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing that really didn't hold up well. She basically said that because her friend is half Japanese, she has an inn downtown. Oh, I didn't get that part. But she was like, oh, my friend Cleo, who's gorgeous. She's half Japanese and half French. She gets me. She takes me downtown. Like without her, I would never leave the Upper West Side. She says she gives me a downtown edge because she's half Japanese. Oh, I missed that. I missed yeah. that wording. Yeah, well. Yeah, she's real fucking high society, guys. She's really doesn't get classier than this horrible, horrible woman. Holy hell. Well, I really hope that when this aired, Cleo saw it and had a member of the Yakuza take Jules out. Honestly. <laughs> That's a news item that I'm really looking for when I'm Googling. <laughs> um, so then all of a sudden it's Paris Fashion Week. So I don't know what day this is. <laughs> yeah, they didn't tell us. Nope. And Tinsley is in Paris. Um, Paris and fashion go together. Did you know that, Frank? I did. Um, and she's there to build her brand. You know, it's really important for her to be seen and build her brand. And she is going to the Ungaro show at one point, And then she's at the Lagerfeld show at another point, sitting next to Katy Perry and Rihanna. Although I never saw Rihanna. No, I she kept saw Katy saying Perry. that. And I never saw Rihanna. And I mean, honestly, she must have some kind of fucking pull if she's sitting front row at the Lagerfeld show. I know. Well, Tinsley was an it girl for a long time. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene of her talking to Carl Lagerfeld and she says, like, I don't wear enough black for you. And he looks at her and he goes, it's never too late. <laughs> oh, no. He, she, she says, I never. She said, I wore black just for you. I never wear black. So good. And then uh, he says, like, blondes look great in black. It's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um. So then she's leaving her hotel room to meet up with her boyfriend. This is where she uses the word boyfriend, Kazzy. Now he has a nickname. She's wearing sneakers, all caps. Yeah, black chucks. Yep, wearing sneakers. Yeah. So he- And flew... not walking on her tiptoes in them either, because I watched her walk. Me too, of course I did, of course I did. Um, so she asked him to fly to Paris to meet her. And my first takeaway is that he's very tall. Yes. I mean, I'm guessing without her Prada heels on, she's, you know, not the tallest person. But them walking down the sidewalk together, he is like a head taller than her. He's a tall yeah. man. So while they're they're cutting this back and forth. So while Tinsley is hanging out with Cassie, um, we see Dale back in New York <laughs> going to the Society Library up on the Upper East Side. Because she is, you know, Nancy Drewing it, and she's trying to find some societal dirt on this royal family from Germany. And apparently doesn't know how to use Google for anything. No. And they they cut back and forth, and they imply that, like, Dale has found some really good dirt in these historical texts about these royal people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's what's printed in those books. <laughs> sure. Oh, my God. Dale. And also, like, what is printed in history books in America about your family historically, Dale? Let's not go there. Richmond. Well, that's what I was going to say is that she, and this comes up again later when she goes back and finds the book, but I'm sure your whole family were slave owners. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. That's what like I was getting Southern at. Like, Miss Southern Bale. Like, I mean, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. 
anyway, it, it's kind of funny just the way they filmed it, but like, oh, Dale. Oh, Dale. And also, I mean, I know that we should all know a ton about World War II because there's been 800 novels written about it, but I don't believe that the German royalty were Nazis. I mean, Hitler wasn't hanging out with royal, right? Like, I, don't I mean, she's trying to imply that he's Nazi. I mean, that's what she's trying to imply. But didn't Hitler oust all of the royalty people? I mean, he was I, a dictator. I, I Dictators and royalty usually don't hang together. So I don't, I don't know where she's going with this. I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know enough. I am not a history buff whatsoever. So I'm not going to even claim to know anything about that. Um, But it's just the fact that Dale thinks that somehow this royal family is any dirtier than her family is just laughable to me. Very um, laughable. So this scene is really rough and it unravels really quickly. So we see Cassie and Tinsley, they're a great couple and she was sad in Paris without him and they're walking around and he throws a fit about filming this show with her. He throws a full on man tantrum. He doesn't like what she's saying. He doesn't like walking towards the camera. He's sick of them doing extra takes. He says, I don't like you throwing things at me that we haven't discussed first. Um, like just, he cannot hang. He Well, the really weird knowing- thing is, the thing that pushes him over the edge, is, and I wrote it down, is she says, I've been sad in Paris without you. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. he goes apeshit. Because ape I guess shit. they hadn't discussed her saying that before filming. Right. And then we cut to Dale saying he isolates her um, and that he's reading her emails. That's when we get the email comment. And then Mm -hmm. Tinsley says to him, why can't I be sad that my boyfriend wasn't in Paris with me? Why can't I say that? And he said, we didn't discuss it first. He's also very concerned about hedge, like full on shots. Like yeah. the walking shots. He's like, no more shots of us walking at the camera. Only from the side. Only from the side. I'm like, okay. Or are you like a director now? Like, what's happening? I don't I understand. Yeah. yeah. So this is where I will tell you I did look up Kazi. And? So interestingly enough, he is married now. Um, I think he got married in 2019 or 2017. I'm forgetting. Um, I think to it was this 2017. Am- to this American model. Um, and they got married at his family's, like, historical castle. It's called a Schloss in Germany. I visited one. Um, but I found an old Daily Mail article. He had a wife prior to the American model and prior to dating Tinsley. And he apparently borrowed a large sum of money from her. And she's been trying to chase it down forever, also to support their child or children. I forget if they had one or two. Um, and he and his wife now live in like Uruguay or Paraguay and he's just like evading the whole thing. That tracks. Cause I yeah. feel like a lot of Royals in, you know, countries like that, um, that don't, you know, that aren't the monarchy, um, are poor. <laughs> he also, I guess his company did do work in Latin America before that, but part of me was wondering like, did he reach out to the Latin American market so that he could, or South American market so that he could, you know, evade all these things that he was owed to people in Europe? It's possible. Very possible. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he's he's not 
the greatest and he's not very nice to Tinsley. And this is where we see Dale back in the society library. And she's like reading a book and she's like, this is what I was afraid of. Oh, oh my, what a history. And then she says, Tinsley's wonderful heritage colliding with this history. Like she's just, oh my, you know, she's just scandalized by whatever she found in this historical book. What a crap. Um, my favorite part though is when she goes, I'm checking this out. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she was just going to shuffle her ass right up to the counter, hand over her library card, and walk home with that book. I, I mean, honestly, I could watch scenes of Dale Mercer in the societal library probably all day. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, my. Um, And this is where we also see Kazzy throw a little fit outside the hotel. I think they're trying to get a shot of him, like, walking her back to her room or them going home for the evening together. And he's like, I want to see the footage from the day um, do the shot right now and do it right. I'm getting pissed off. And he like counts down from 10. Like he's speaking to a child. <laughs> oh my God. And then Tinsley says the whole day was a big disaster. Oh, and he also says, you can even air this. I don't even care. Yeah. Well, they did. Well, they did. <laughs> yeah. That was a verbal consent, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's it made me sad for Tinsley, too, because it's not like he didn't know the filming would be happening while he was visiting her. There's no way. Well, I have a feeling what probably happened, based on what I know of Tinsley from The Housewives, is that she begged and pleaded and cajoled with him to come to Paris from London to please, 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 please film my reality show with me. And he didn't want to do it, and she talked him into it, and then he got there, and he was pissed. Yeah. It also, I bet it is probably really annoying when you're out with even a friend, and there is someone filming you and saying, could you say that again? Could you back up 10 steps? Could we take that again? Yeah. I, I hate repeating myself. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. That would drive me nuts. Yeah. That's probably well, I also never like- be an actress. That earlier, um, Tinsley did say, like, at one point when they were fighting and he was yelling about, like, we didn't discuss this, we didn't discuss this, was um, when she's like, well, it's reality. She said reality isn't discussed. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, honey, just wait till you get to Bravo. I bet it is. Yeah, true. Um, And then that's the end of the episode. And we get scenes from the next where I guess fucking Devorah finally fucking shows up. She sure does. I mean, the show only has eight episodes, and we've had two, and she hasn't even shown up yet. But she shows up next week. She and looks mad. She, she looks real mad. She's mad at Tinsley. I guess Tinsley's done something to wrong her. Um, we get to see Dale and Casimir. I'm shocked that he agreed to film the show again. I know. At some ball together, so that's not going to go well. And then um, Paul once again pretends that he can land a hot guy. Yeah. Which, again, cameras... If there weren't cameras, I don't think that would be happening. Yeah, probably. I mean, he looks like a gay swizzle stick with an attitude problem. Like, I cannot. Like, who's knocking (laughs) themselves over to hang out with him? And it's not even like he, I mean, he has the most rancid personality that you can detect within the first 30 seconds of talking to him. So I, this like hot dudes fawning over him thing, I'm not buying for a second. I mean, maybe it's just like a younger than him and he buys drinks when they're out and so they're taken with him for like one night only no it's because of the cameras like that other guy at at apotheky was a model i'm sure he wanted to be on tv this guy i think is another model or something it looked like so they're like oh camera's here if i have to pretend to cozy up to this disgusting dude i'll do it so i can be on the cw yeah there you go 
Yeah. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think I might have to profile Jules next episode. Nope. She's a few away. Okay. Well, stay tuned for that. If nothing else. Um, yes. And, uh, we will talk to you all in two weeks. Stay tuned. Um, if you can stomach watching along with us, once again, all the episodes of this horrible, horrible show about horrible, horrible people can be found on YouTube. See you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymarebe at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>